You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57, and for the NFL divisional round, Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to one hundred percent and the matchup that i'm looking forward to most here football fans is that nf nf nfc divisional playoff round giants and eagles nfc east showdown winner going to the nfc championship game gonna be a fantastic one there's gonna be a lot of fantastic games in the nfl divisional round and DraftKings is giving you unbelievable opportunities to cash in on huge cash prizes Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your best friend, your confidant, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly appreciate it. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. As not only a Devils fan, as a Giants fan, I could not be more than pumped up right now. Devils playing really well. Giants upsetting the Minnesota Vikings in the wild card round, moving on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Doing super well, and I hope you guys are. Also, this podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored, as always, by our wonderful friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. With the NFL playoffs fully underway, wildcard weekend is coming to a close and getting ready for the divisional round one step closer to the Super Bowl. DraftKings, as always, is giving you unbelievable opportunities to get huge cash prizes. So if you want to get in on the action, go to DraftKings right now, sign up, use our promo code THPN, and as always... Tell them that your boy, Neil Villapiano, sent you. Once again, a big thank you and shout out to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as the Devil's State of Mind podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special guest joining us here on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. He is a very good friend of mine. We met a couple of months ago, and he has been absolutely phenomenal. Really appreciate all of his coverage of hockey, as well as the Devil's. And it is with great pleasure that we welcome on the host 
of the Stick Taps podcast, Mr. Aiden Barrett. Aiden, welcome to the Devil State of My podcast. First and foremost, how are you doing today, my friend? You know, I think, Neil, we share a few things in common. Uh, one of those things being in common is how about them Giants today? What a win, uh, yes. obviously. You know, coming into that game, I don't know how many people thought back in, uh, you know, September, August, or I guess, you know, probably the past few years that we'd be in this situation, but we were, and, you know, Giants today. Uh, you know, Neil, thank you for, uh, thanks for having me today. Yeah, hey, man, we, we are excited to have you on. Uh, you are obviously doing a tremendous job with the Stick Tabs podcast. You've been on uh, several of my Instagram lives, which if you don't follow the podcast on Instagram, please go do at Devil State of Mind. Also, don't forget to follow Stick Tabs, Stick.Tabs on Instagram. And we'll give Aiden, as we do with all of our guests, a chance later on in the episode to, you know, basically introduce, you know, let the folks at home know where they can find him and everything he's got going on. So, Aiden, you are on today's episode to help us recap the last two wins for the Devils, both coming on this West Coast road trip. Devils currently on, as Jack Hughes would put it, a three-game heater after back-to-back wins on this West Coast trip. And we'll start with, actually, you know what we'll start with? Aiden, overall, at this point in the season, how do you feel about this New Jersey Devils team? Well, you know, you look at this Devils team, you look how it's kind of built, constructed, um, obviously, you know, I have my beliefs on, uh, what they need to do to, uh, make this a little bit more of a better team going into the playoffs. Cause I think right now what we're looking at is, you know, it's a numbers game. I mean, we went over it earlier, uh, at that 41 game mark, you really want to be right around that 24 win mark. I mean, obviously 20 is my, you know, philosophy for giving yourself a chance at the playoffs. I mean, they crushed it. They're at 26 and they've won their past two. Now that's a 28 win mark, you know, it's just a numbers game right now, but obviously there are some add-ons that they're going to want to do throughout the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll get into that later in the show. But, I mean, you look at the team, I mean, you're 28, 12, and 4. Younger team, but I don't think people give enough credit for, you know, you keep saying younger team. And here's the thing. When you keep going younger team year after year after year, do you realize that every year they're getting a little bit older? Um, I mean, the team's getting a little bit older. They're maturing. They're maturing at, you know, the right age level. And, I mean, they've made a couple, you know, nice ads in free agency that, uh, you know, have been on this team and, you know, have been on better teams. Uh, and you're kind of seeing it rub off here with the Devils team. I mean, 28, 12, and 4. I don't think there's much to uh, really uh, – 20, 12, and 3, actually, uh, yeah. to be too upset about if you're a Devils fan. No, I think you nailed it right on the head. And uh, currently the Devils are the third youngest team in the NHL. So still very young, but clearly not at where we were even like a year or two years ago. So we are getting a little bit older, and the team is definitely learning a lot and finding ways – to win games. And if you look at these last two games against Anaheim and LA respectively, they were two different ways to, to find a way to win a hockey game. And so I think overall it is definitely great. And I've given Aiden credit before on Instagram, but I want to give him credit here on the podcast that, you know, he was talking to me and I think it was either right after or just before the end of the game against Carolina uh, on new year's on new year's uh, day. And he said that if the devils can get the 26 wins by the end of the first half of the season, once we fit 41 games, you know, we're in a really good spot. And, and, and he was absolutely correct. Devils are in a really good spot. You know, they got to those 26 wins after the win against Carolina, really great way to start the road trip. And then you obviously, like I mentioned before, have these back-to-back wins against Anaheim in and LA. So yeah, I mean, they have just been playing Really, really good hockey of late, and let's kind of go over these past two games. So we'll start with the game in Anaheim. One of the, this was the second ESPN Plus game, and it was unfortunately at ten o'clock. So you know, I am not the biggest fan of West Coast games at all. Uh, I actually am still recovering from being mad late for the game against LA on Saturday night. So I do apologize for that. I mean, you guys can't see me, but I look dog tired right now. But You look at the Devils, they, right from puck drop, dominated this game. You had a 3-0 lead after the first period. They were flying all over the place. They really just pressured the Ducks right from the start and didn't allow Anaheim to really get going. And obviously, this was supposed to be the matchup of Jack Hughes versus Trevor Zegers. And, I mean, for hockey fans, Zegers and Jack Hughes both scored. And they scored 36, I think it was like 36 seconds apart from one another, but Overall, Aiden, it was just a dominant, one of the more dominant wins for the New Jersey Devils. Jack Hughes adding two goals and an assist. Brat ended up scoring twice. And Damon Severson had statistically his best game of his career. Three assists in this game for three points. That is the most he has ever gotten in a game. 
and Vitek Vanacek just doing what he does best, and that is making the saves that we need to need to make. So overall, Aiden, I don't think there's really much you can complain from this game against Anaheim. No, not really, Neil. I mean, you talked about it. There wasn't really much you can complain about this game. Vitek Vanacek was as good as he had to be. Now, obviously, I mean, we talked about it. That, you know, that special formula at that 41 game, Mark, you know, I'm always going to go back to it. I mean, I, I love using it. You know, when this Metropolitan, because obviously it's a numbers game at the end of the day, but in this Metropolitan division, between one and four or five, uh, being the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's n- 10 points in total. I right. mean, the, it's or actually between the Devils and Pittsburgh. It's 10 points. So mm-hmm. when you get a team like Anaheim, younger team, doesn't hasn't really been playing well, hasn't played up to expectations, that's a game that you have to find a way to get points out of. You have to get full two points out of that game. And the Devils did just that, and they recognized it early. I mean, we talked about it uh, just – or you mentioned it just a couple minutes ago – it was 3 nothing. I mean, before you really even sat down in that game. And, I mean, the game wasn't close. The Devils knew that they needed to come out there, dictate play early, and that's what they did. They dictated the play early, took a nice big lead early in that game, up 3 nothing. Really, you know, you look at Anaheim. I mean, let's be honest. They're not very good this year. You can take a 3 nothing lead early, and, you know, they kind of know from history what this year has been so far. They flew down 3 nothing. I mean, that game's <laughs> more likely than not over. And then you look right. back at the goaltending. Obviously, you know, we liked – I think we you liked a lot about what you saw to McKenzie Blackwood last night. I think you right. loved what you've seen from Vitek Vanacek so far this year. You built him a three-goal lead th- that early at any point in the game. I mean, just becomes that much easier for him. I mean, Devils – Obviously, you said Damon Severson played really well. I mean, we don't know what the future holds there for Damon Severson. Yeah. Had a really nice game. I know his statistics might not show it. And I know that not everyone has been super up on Damon Severson. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I-, I love how Damon Severson has played so far this year. I know he makes some mistakes and it's not great. But you look at this devil's defense right now. And you look... Where they currently rank statistically with all the other teams. Go over it. I mean, just go over every other team where they rank. They're top five in a lot of advanced stat categories. Mm-hmm. Um, Damon Severson pretty much leads the team on ice in minutes. More than not, or is toward the top. So, I mean, when you kind of think of that, the Devils, they don't let a lot of ch- hard chances. Vitek Vanacek is having a career year. Um, they're winning, you know, tw- they've won 28 games. You know, got to put the pieces together. I know every once in a while you say, oh, th- not a great play there by Damon Severson. But just, you know, kind of use, you know, the statistics. Let them help you out a little bit to kind of show how well he's played. Because I think when you, you know, you look from the outside and maybe you're not looking from a fan because I feel like it's fans who are a little bit more on top of our team than maybe, mm-hmm. you know, a regular just analyst would be. You right. look from the outside and you go, Wow. Okay. So they're top five. They don't really let up a lot of chances. They don't let up a lot of goals. Their goal turn is having a career year. Give some of these guys who are playing the top minutes credit. And that's where I want to go a little bit next with it. Uh, Brendan Smith, I know a lot of people have been kind of iffy, iffy. He's been fantastic. Okay. Let's just manage expectations here. We saw how Kevin Ball played. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think it was very good. I, there, there wasn't much from him where I went, even as a managing expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not ready for the role yet. And I know some people go, oh, well, you know, he's a younger player, hasn't had a lot of experience. Okay, that doesn't matter when you're trying to win games. If you're trying to win games, and that's your argument, it's not, oh, well, okay, well, let's slide because it's played a lot. No, you're in, this team is looking for a playoff spot. When you're looking mm-hmm. for a playoff spot, it helps when you have that guy back there who knows what he's doing, who is a little bit better in situational play. Right. Brendan Smith has been, I know, you know, he's not that guy who's going to go put up a lot of points and he's not going to play your top minutes. Penalty kill, he's on the penalty kill. He's been valuable so far. He's filled a needed role. We've seen that that role so far. I mean, Nikita Hoytyuk has been very good so far. Kevin Ball struggled. Brendan Smith has filled that role, and I think he's done a fantastic job. I mean, there's a lot of... There's a lot of different ways that you can to look at this. You know, my my whole argument with Brendan Smith is not necessarily like defensively or anything like that. My argument is that he definitely does take a lot of penalty unnecessary penalties. Let's put it that way. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from with with Brendan Smith overall. And you know, you're talking about Kevin Ball. 
I think Ball has definitely uh, earned the right to sit on the bench considering that the last couple of games that he's played have not been great. And you look at Nikita Ahotuk, and we'll talk about him to a, a greater extent when we talk about the game against LA. You know, he has definitely felt more comfortable back there. He had a little bit of a cup of coffee at the end of last season and immediately was, you know, making some plays. So this is a guy that could be an under the radar uh, type player. But I think overall, when you look at this game, I think Aiden, you and I could definitely agree that this was a game the Devils should win and they won it in convincing fashion. And I think yeah. that was what was important is that you knew going into this game, Devils far and away better than Anaheim. This game you need to win, this game you should win, and they did it, and they did it in a way where it shows how talented they are. And I think that looking at the guys, Dougie scored, Jack Hughes and Brad Bull got a couple goals. And then let's talk about Jesper Boquist, who has goals in two of his last three games. That pass from Damon Severson, three quarters of the length of the ice, leading Boquist, and then Boquist going far side, bar down, you know, top shelf. I mean, Boquist, who now has five goals on the year, is starting to really, really gain that confidence as an offensive player and really defining a role. I said it last year that he defined a role, and now he's starting to get it going again. And it's really great to see when other guys other than Jack Hughes are starting to finally get themselves going, starting to produce, and making contributions to this team. Well, Neil, I'll go back to it. Back, you know, not to maybe such a great time that probably isn't liked a lot. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back to that time where they went one win in nine games. What was one thing about New Jersey? There's there really was only one thing outside of losing that right. was consistent. I I, I if I remember correctly, a player who was consistent. Oh, a player. I, I think it was. I want to say it was Boquist at that time. Jack Hughes. Well, yeah, oh, it was Jack probably Hughes. consistent in a very, not such great way. But Jack Hughes continued to score. The team didn't play well. Jack Hughes was scoring. Jesper Bratt wasn't playing very well. The defense right. didn't look as yes. good. Goaltending had didn't have the opportunity to be good, I think would be the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. Jack Hughes was consistently scoring. Before that, that middle six was much, much better. We've seen over the past, you know, I think they're 6-1-1 one one or 7-1-1 one one in the last eight or nine games. Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden, that depth scoring that was there when they were doing really well, it's back. And, I mean, you just mentioned Jesper Boquist. Jesper Boquist is all of a sudden starting to be a key factor in this bottom six. And right now, that's what the Devils need from that bottom six. I mean, we see how different it can be. Because Jack Hughes has consistently been good beginning of the season, consistently good on when it wasn't looking very good, and consistently good now that it is looking good. Yes. Do you know what you're getting, which is huge from a playoff team? I know I always yeah. love to say it. Reliability is my you know biggest thing. When you know when I'm going to do a bet, I'm always going to go with what's already happened. Why? Because it's reliable. I love history. It's reliable. Jack Hughes is going to give you good play, number one, you know, center minutes every single night. You know he's going to you know be looked at by other teams. He's going to take away matchups. If he's getting his, you know, his opportunities taken away, you need yep. that bottom six scoring. What happens when the Devils get the bottom six scoring? They go to 19, one and one run, 13 game heater, four game heater. Okay. When they're not getting that and it's a little bit colder on the bottom six, well, you see what can happen. So, I mean, obviously, I think the big part to these, you know, these past two games, I don't want to sound cliche, but it really has been. The bottom six has been much, much better. The middle six, just the, you know, the bottom nine has been much better. I mean, obviously, I don't even have to talk about how good, you know, Hughes, Heesher, Bratt, Dougie Hamilton have been offensively. I mean, it just, you know, it's coming. So yeah. when you know it's coming, you know, you can win when your bottom six is playing much better, which they have been. You're absolutely right. You're you're absolutely right. Jack Hughes has con has continued to be the most consistent player on this team. He's given he's given it his all every game, even when we were going through that tough stretch. And like you said, now that we're starting to get that depth scoring again, you know it just takes the pressure off of him, and the Devils can find other ways to win. And with that win, to kind of re you know to kind of put you know put the kibosh on this entire you know talking point about the game against the Ducks. With that win, the Devils' road record moved to an astounding 16-2 and one, which actually once again the Devils made NHL history. They are the first team in NHL history to win 16 of their first 19 road games in a season. And that is just incredible because, again, you look at how 
inconsistent we are at home, you know, one game below 500 right now or two games below 500. And then you look at this road record. We just seem to play more efficiently, more confidently, whatever the case may be. And I think it was, I think it was Damon Severson that said that we just simplify things when we're on the road. And it's like, okay, great. Then if you're able to do that on the road, you should have no problem generating that at home. And so that's the hope once they do get back home, uh, once this road trip is over. So overall, Aiden, again, a very easy win. I don't like to say that word all the time, but this was a relatively easy win for the New Jersey Devils. They cruised from the start. Um, obviously, I will actually take Adam Henrique scoring a goal and an assist against his former team as long as we end up getting the two points. And I know that people are starting to bring back the nostalgia and saying, oh, let's try to make a trade for Adam Henrique. And I'm like, look, he's making a lot of money right now and the Devils don't really have cap space and they quite frankly don't need him. So, I mean, as much as I would love it for nostalgic reasons, I, I just, it, it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love, you know, obviously, I think we all remember what Adam Henrique did and how good he was for the time being here. I mean, even on, you know, those teams that weren't very good, uh, he had some of his best years here with us. And he, he always fought through it. He always, he felt like a fan, you know, a fan favorite, Adam Henrique. Right. And obviously, when you score a goal like that with a team, uh, you know, fans are going to like you a little bit. But yeah, no, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know if we're going to get into some trade deadline talk. But um, yeah, that was the plan after we recap these two games. We'll start to talk a little about trade rumors and see where uh, the Devils are involved in anything. All right, awesome. So I'll kind of save it more so there. But yeah, you know, Adam Henrique doesn't really make sense for this team. Uh, I mean, just you kind of look at already kind of overloaded uh, middle six group of forwards. That's kind of where Adam Henrique fits in. He's not going to fit on your first line. He's not, you know, second line. He kind of maybe flirting with it. Yeah. Really, doesn't really feel like it. Feels more of a bottom six player at this point in his career. Just doesn't make mm -hmm. much sense to the devil. As much as, yeah, you know what? It would be cool. Uh, cool doesn't always win. So It's a very good point. And again, this is why we are not, you know, NHL GMs this is why we don't have this job because we fortunately don't have to be the ones to make these uh, decisions. But yeah, overall, six to two dominant win to begin the West Coast part of this road trip and uh, moving their record to two and oh against the um, against the Anaheim Ducks and moving their record to eight and oh against the Pacific Division. So now let's shift over to the following night in L.A., at the Crypto.com Arena. I really can't believe they call it that. I really wish they would go back to Staples. I'm very upset about this, but I digress. That's a topic for another day. Devils go to LA to take on the Kings, who are going into it on a three-game winning streak themselves, playing really good hockey, you know, second place in the Pacific. They are definitely taking the next step in their rebuild. Kevin Fiala has fit in pretty seamlessly in LA. You know, they've had a lot of good success. Andre Kopitar playing at, at as high of a level as he could at his age. He's doing a tremendous job. Even Drew Doughty of late has been playing some really good hockey despite him being relatively high up in the 30s. They ended up going with Jonathan Quick in this game, which I got to be honest with you, Aiden. I know that Copley has played a lot recently, but I would have expected in a big game like that, I would have expected Copley to go because he had been playing very well. But they decided to go with Jonathan Quick in this one. And the Devils, not surprisingly, went with Mackenzie Blackwood. And I had said earlier that I would have preferred we switched it the other way. We had Blackwood play against Anaheim, and then we go VTech against LA. And again, I'm not the coach. And it's probably good that I'm not the coach, as the Devils, despite on the score sheet relatively being outplayed, uh, found a way to get a relatively decisive win as they beat the LA Kings and win both games of a back-to-back, -back, which I don't know if that's the first time they've done that this year. It feels like it. Um, they come away with a 5-2 to two win in LA against the Kings to also create some more NHL history. They are the first team in NHL history to win 17 of their first 20 games away from home, so they continue to make impressive strides. They move to 9-0 against the Pacific Division and uh, move themselves to win number 28 on the year, two wins shy of 30 already this year. So, Aiden, when we look at this game, this was one where Jack Hughes really didn't have to do anything because other guys stepped up. Tomas Tatar scored on the power play. And yeah, Jack Hughes did get an assist, okay? So, like, you know, 
he he was somewhat involved, but not really. You know, he took one shot that he got the secondary assist. Eric Halla finally scores another goal, getting his third of the year on a two-on-one, and he did not hesitate. That was big. And the game-winning goal coming from an unlikely source in Nikita Ahoytuk is he responded just moments after the Kings had tied it. He scored on a sharp angle shot, getting himself one. Andre Pilat getting himself his first point since returning from IR. Ryan Graves adding one just his fourth of the year and his first since November. And then Jesper Bratt getting himself his 18th of the year on an empty net, which is great for Bratt. That's three goals in two games. He's starting to get himself going again, which is tremendous. So, yeah, Aiden, again, this was a different type of game. I think overall didn't play all that well, but took advantage of the opportunities that were there. And Mackenzie Blackwood, and again, it's just crazy to say, he was tremendous, stopping 35 of 37 shots in this one, stopping a penalty shot attempt on Kevin Fiala. He was just uh, shut down all night long, and the Devils found a way to win this game and uh, continue to play some really good hockey of late. Well, yeah. If you listen to some of the episodes I put on my podcast last year, I would have rode Rob Blake GM of the year all year long. And I'm riding him GM of the year all year long again this year. I mean, he's just loaded up on younger talent, has acquired 230 goal scores. When, I mean, really, you think about it, how easy is it to acquire a 30 goal score mm -hmm. when you don't develop him? And they've done a fantastic job in development. I would have rode Rob Blake, you know, GM of the year last year, GM of the year again this year so far. But you look at L.A., obviously, Neil, you just pointed it out. This was a game where they probably didn't play the best, and they still found a way to win the game. We look back, you know, earlier in the year with the Devils, even games they lost. They looked like they had a better team. They didn't win the game. Sometimes, you know, good teams have to figure out ways where they're probably not the better team to win the game. They had to steal one. They stole one last night. I told you how much I like the team, how well I think L.A. has built. You know, last year, going into it when – uh. I was doing my picks for the playoffs. I put LA to uh, make the playoffs last year. I mean, I, I love the development. I love the team that they're building. And, uh, you know, I put out my last podcast, maybe a little bit of a hot take. I think they're going to be all over Patrick Kane. I think it makes so much sense putting Patrick Kane oh. in Los Angeles. I really do. I think Showtime in LA, one big city to the next big city. Team that, you know, struggles on the power play. You know, goal scoring isn't always there. Uh, Rob Blake has already gone out and acquired 230 goal scorers. Why not get one of the best in the past? decade uh in Patrick Kane I think it makes complete sense for both sides over there you know obviously loading up on your account make a trade yeah. they have they have the capital to do it uh Patrick Kane just goes from one big city to the other big city makes sense to me we'll see what happens though but you talk about they probably shouldn't have won this game right that they weren't the better team LA you know they're yeah. gonna find games where they're not gonna win games where they probably should have won and they're gonna find games where they probably shouldn't have won they're gonna win because why both these teams are good teams now you look at this game I think we could probably say Jonathan Quick didn't have a great game. No, not at all. And I hate to say it because this is a goaltender I like a lot. Super athletic, you know, super flexible, reads the game really well. And he has to read the game really well. He has to be super athletic. Why? His technique, it's not very good, okay? No. You know, I, I don't like – not trying to say that because I'm not an NHL goaltender, but you look at these NHL goalies, it's very – they're very similar in the way they play. Obviously, Canadians have their style. Americans have their style. Russians a little bit more athletic. Igor Shosturkin, mm -hmm. Elias Sorokin, Yaroslav Oskarov now coming into Nashville. You look at the way Jonathan Quick plays. It's He's all over the place. I mean, you asked Martin Brodeur. I mean, obviously, different technique back then. And Martin Brodeur said, the guy's closest to similarity to me is Jonathan Quick. Why? Because Jonathan Quick is not a guy who's just blocking the puck. He is trying to save the puck. So now, a really you know way that you want to score on Jonathan Quick is get him in those uncomfortable angles where he's not squared up to you. You know, you bring him to the post. You know, they beat him one time with Nikita Ohoyuk. I mean, that that's you know he, for most goaltenders, routine save. Guy like mm -hmm. Jonathan Quick because he's you know not super technical isn't covering, you know, the high percentage chances. He's trying, he's like, okay, I'm going to come out here. I'm going to make the save. I just trust my athleticism. It worked younger in his career. He was one of the best goalies. I mean, you probably saw it straight up 2012 Stanley Cup final. You could not be Jonathan Quick. Yeah. A little bit older, you know, athleticism, it's going to catch up to you eventually. 
These shooters, yeah. they're too good not to play a little bit more of a technique game. Now, has he been able to kind of develop into it to an extent to still be playing at the age in his 30s and, you know, having a pretty nice solid year last year, getting LA into the playoffs? Yes. But right this year, you're going to see it at times, he's going to let that go. It's like, how'd that go in? But there's going to be other saves where it's you're like, how do you save it? Like, you know, Carey Price, very right. good technique. You know, he, he makes most saves, but, uh, you know, there's not, you know, too much like about his game where you don't know. I mean, Carey Price is just a very good technical goaltender, you know, good at just really good at taking away the high danger chances. Jonathan Quick, a little bit different. You get the puck moving, you get him moving. It's mm-hmm. a lot easier to score. I mean, you see the guy, he, 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 honestly, I mean, he doesn't take away the high danger scoring chances very well at all. He's not a technical goaltender. The yep. devil were able to read that. I mean, he's a differently, he shows you a little bit different stuff than maybe a regular goaltender does. Yeah. But I mean, your high danger scoring chances are going to be there. And I mean, that's what we saw last night. I mean, I think even Jonas Siegenthaler scored on that goal. And I mean, most goaltenders, they just come over to the post. Jonathan Quick, a little bit different. He's not a super technical goaltender. He plays a different style. And it's worked for him. I think he's an eventual Hall of Famer. Devil's able to capitalize it. You know, obviously, LA played really well. Blackwood stole him one. You know, you're not probably going to complain about that. Blackwood steals him a game. Devils score enough to get the win. Nikita Ohotyuk gets his gets his first goal of the season. And I mean, hey, Devils 28-12-3. So you really can't complain. You know, the Devils took advantage of openings that Jonathan Quick gave them in this game. And I think if you're a Kings fan, you probably lean more towards putting a lot of the blame on uh, Jonathan Quick because he did let in some ones that he probably would have liked to have back, like that rebound goal by Tomas Tatar on the power play. And obviously the Nikita took goal that was not ideal that he gave that up. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, he had a bad one and the Devils took advantage of it. And like you said, found a way to get the win, even if they didn't play well. And so the Devils continue to move on here. And like Aiden said, now 28-12-3 at the time of this recording. And now comes a very interesting week, a relatively short week, because the Devils only have two games this week. They are at San Jose on Monday at 4 o'clock Eastern time. So fortunately, we are saved at least for one game to not be a late-night game. So that should be a one where the Devils should ultimately win. But again, you don't want this to become a trap game, knowing uh, what's ahead. And after that, you have one of the biggest matchups of the season. You have the Devils traveling to Seattle to take on the extremely red-hot Seattle Kraken, who just made NHL history by going 7-0 and on their seven-game road trip. Best, They are the first team to do that. They have been one of the biggest storylines of the entire season as they currently sit at 26-12-4, 56 points, two points behind the first place Vegas Golden Knights and currently tied just in points um, with the LA Kings for second place in that division. That's going to be a hell of a matchup. And so it'll be curious to see how Lindy Ruff handles the game against San Jose on Monday and then how he gets ready for the game against Seattle. But two games that are going to be tough and uh, how the Devils are going to finish up this uh, West Coast road trip. We shall see. I believe also the Rangers ended up losing tonight. If I'm not mistaken, they are currently four points behind behind the Devils for second place. So a little bit of a cushion, which is good. Because now the Devils have a chance to gain some points. Carolina lost in a shootout today against the Canucks. So the Devils will have a chance to jump to within one point of the Carolina Hurricanes for first place in the Metro. So right now things are starting to fall back into the Devils' favor you know, the games that they're playing and out games outside of their own uh, control. So we will see if the Devils can keep this going here as they look to try to finish off this road trip on a high note. So um, Aiden, before we wrap this episode up, I thought because, you know, again, you're very insightful and you obviously have a lot, a lot of information and things like that. I thought it would be a good time, especially now that we're in you know mid-January you know, we're getting close to the All-Star game. We're getting very close to the trade deadline. You know, things are starting to pick up. We know the teams that will most likely get into the playoffs and most likely the teams that are not. And there's a lot of questions as to where the Devils might go. Are they going to be sellers? Are they going to be buyers? Are they, are they going to do absolutely nothing at the deadline? I'm leaning more towards that they will probably try to go after a big body or two to try to get a little bit more physical. 
I don't personally think that they'll go after a big-name scorer like a Timo Meyer or a Patrick Kane because Tom Fitzgerald is not a big-time trade GM. He's the type of guy, when he wants to take a swing at a big-time player, he goes in free agency. So you look at Dougie Hamilton. You see what he did there. He tried to get Johnny Gaudreau. It didn't work out, but still, he went after Johnny Gaudreau. He brought in Andre Pilat. There's a ton of options in the offseason if the Devils want to go that route to find a long-term scoring partner for Jack Hughes if they feel like they need to go outside of the organization. And obviously, interestingly enough, Alex Chauvency of the Hockey Writers talked about Carly Vimelka, the goaltender for the Arizona Coyotes, as a potential trade target for the Devils if they want to try to find a quote-unquote, better option than Mackenzie Blackwood. Now, if Blackwood's playing the way he played last night, moving forward, the Devils really don't have to make a move for a goaltender. But if they feel like they need to make a move for a goaltender, a guy like Vimelka, I know John Gibson has not played well of late, but he has had very little support. That could be somebody you go after if you want to try to have a little bit stronger of a tandem, or you could obviously go down into the minors with Schmidt or Dawes. So, Aiden... As a whole, looking at this deadline coming up, what what can you tell us? What, what what do you think is going to happen with the Devils? What do you think they should do, or anything like that that you have? Well, I'll touch on the Vomelka, um, you know, suggestion really quickly here. Um, you know, you look at Mackenzie Blackwell, you look at Vomelka. Uh, haven't seen enough of Vomelka to say that he'd be a better option. He might just be adding on, you know. Blackwood and Blackwood when he's good he's good when he's not good he's not very good he's inconsistent I mean that's really the big you know the big uh separation between the top goalies and the, you know the, the the very not not as good goaltenders it's consistency you know obviously you see Jurgen Shosturkin he's very consistent Andre Vasilevsky is very consistent Vitek Vinicek has been much more consistent this year that's really what keeps you around in this league consistency mm-hmm. haven't seen enough for Famelka. Don't know enough if, you know, in Arizona, if he can come over here, play really well in New Jersey, play really well for a team trying to make a playoff run. You know, you saw some inconsistencies last year. Does Just doesn't make sense just adding to kind of maybe a headache. Just, you know, not really. I don't think you're adding in any Tylenol. You're just kind of making a little bit of a bigger headache. Um, but, you know, I'll go into it. And I know, Neil, you just said Tom Fitzgerald, he takes his swings in free agency. He makes a couple draft picks. That's where he makes his moves. Let me throw this to you out there. So far, in Tom Fitzgerald's tenure, has he ever honestly been in position to make a hockey trade? Have the Devils ever put him into a position? So I know there's a bunch of people out there who go, you know, he doesn't really have to do, you know, trade deadlines. He's not a big rental guy. Um, He's never been in that position. So now he's in the position. Now we're going to get, you know, a full, we're going to really see what he wants to do. I mean, you know, obviously you can't tell the first day of school if the teacher is going to suck or not. Uh, usually the math ones kind of, you know, do because they give a lot of homework. <laughs> but you don't know right off the bat with Tom Fitzgerald. He's never been in this position. He is in this position this year, honestly. He should be unless of a massive collapse. But right now it's a numbers game, so they really should still be there even if they go on another one of these runs. And guess what? They already yeah. went on one of those runs. They sit second in the Metro, number three in the league. So here, I'm going to throw this at you, Neil. You look at the St. Louis Blues right now. Mm-hmm. How much they've struggled. How many unknowing that they have in the future. They signed their two guys long-term. Jordan Cairo got a nice contract. Robert Thomas got a nice contract. They'll be there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't want to go into a full rebuild, but you lose a guy like O'Reilly. Whether O'Reilly stays or not, he's not what he used to be. So Correct. either way, you no longer have O'Reilly. Now you're going to say you no longer have Tarasenko. You know Tarasenko is not coming back. Is there a way that you find a way to trade for Vladimir Tarasenko? Now, obviously, a guy who I'd like to see in that deal is Jesper Boquist. Because, I mean, I look at this Devils team, too many middle six guys. I know people wanted yeah. Jacob Verana. Jacob Verana would have just added on to the headache. He, he would have just been too many, too many more middle six guys. The way that you get a better middle six is you add a first liner. Then you can drop somebody down. Now, all of a sudden... You have a guy playing out of position. Your, your old first liner is now your second liner. Your second liner becomes your third liner. Your fourth liner, you know, maybe he stays. Maybe you got rid of one of those middle six to bring in that first line player. The first line player going to help Jack Hughes out. Dropping down, you know, whoever it may be, Palat, Brat, wherever you may, you know, decide to make that, you know, switch. 
Uh, now he's going to get matchups on that second, third line. I mean, mm-hmm. it just helps more going for a first liner. So now I talked about maybe Jesper Boquist. This seems really interesting to me. And I, I want to know what you think about this. Obviously, you know, there's sure. a chance Damon Severson goes out. But what about Yegor Sharangovich? Is there going to be interest among him? I know it sounds maybe a little bit crazy to take out Yegor Sharangovich. But I don't would not be surprised if he's on other teams' radar and he's got some type of value towards something that he mm-hmm. might want. You know, the thing about uh, – I'll just say this really quickly about Tarasenko. He is currently on injured reserve with a hand injury. Yeah. and He's still going to be out for another couple of weeks. So would his value go down because of that injury? Yes. And, and maybe that makes it easier for the Devils to maybe make a deal for him if they feel like that he could come back from said injury and make a contribution. And he certainly fits more of a position of need rather than Ryan O'Reilly, although adding, O'Re- adding O'Reilly would be interesting, but I, I just – don't see it really making sense. In terms of Yegor Sharangovich, it's not necessarily out of the question that the Devils uh, could potentially move him in a deal because, you know, Sharangovich has been very inconsistent. You know, one minute he looks like he is going to be a top six winger long term. The next minute he looks absolutely lost and he just goes through the motions of the game and doesn't really contribute a lot. And he did get an assist last night, but that was on an empty net goal. And, you know, you take that with a grain of salt in many ways. Um, but yeah, Sharon Govich, he has gotten the double digits and goals. It took him a while to get there after a relatively hot start to the year for him. Um, he would definitely, I would imagine that the Devils of any trade like that would have to move a, a NHL player or two. And I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to moving Sharon Govich for even a rental because as young as Sharon Govich is, and still he could potentially become something long-term. The question is how much long, you know, this is his third season technically that he's played in the NHL. And look, we gave up on Ty Smith after two seasons and acquired John Marino. So if if Sharon Govich is one of those guys to move, I trust Fitzgerald enough that he would move it if it meant we would get somebody that could fill in a better role on whatever the case may be. So I, I'm not a I, I'm not I wouldn't be totally surprised if Terrace if uh Sharon Govich was a guy that moved it. It would be a little bit of a surprise because you're not really hearing anything about Sharon Govich. But at the same time, based on production and the lack of consistency, he might be a guy that somebody um he might be that somebody that could get moved for someone else if the devils want to go that route. Yeah, like I think what people need to realize, like obviously, would it be great to, you know, move somebody like maybe Jasper Boquist? Uh yeah, it probably would be a little bit better uh for the devils. But what people have to realize is that these other GMs are also trying to make their teams better. You're going to have to find a way to part ways with a player that you like or maybe like, maybe don't. I, I don't think the fan base is kind of – it depends. I don't, don't know what uh, the whole fan <laughs> It base depends is. on who you talk to, yeah. I, mean, I, I like him. But, you know, you you take Yegor Sharon Govich. I mean, what are the other names that you could really trade? You're, you're not trading Dawson Mercer. You're not going to trade. I don't. I hope they don't trade Alexander Holtz yet. You're not trading. You know, Jesse Brad, Andre Palat, Thomas Tatar. You know, he's on the last year. Nobody's really going to want him. It doesn't really make much yeah. sense. Um, there's only so many names that you can pick from that have shown NHL talent. Like if I'm looking at Armstrong right now, if he's going to trade away Tarasenko, I think he wants someone who he knows who's reliable. Well, you know, Sharon Govich. We know we talked about his inconsistencies. Yeah, he's been a 20 goal scorer. Before the age of 25, he's been a 20 goal scorer before the age of 25. If Armstrong, you know, feels high, I mean, right now he's still on pace for right around 20 goals. He goes, okay, I can guarantee myself a 20 goal scorer. They throw in a pick. Maybe they throw in a prospect. It makes a lot more sense for them as well. And for us, we lose Sharon Govich. Guys, in the grand scheme of things, Sharon Govich is probably not going to be a top six player on this team. Okay. Your third liners are much more replaceable than your top six players. I know depth is important. Guys, there's a reason these, you know, top 30 goal scorers, 70-point players, 80-point players get paid a substantial amount more. They get a longer mm-hmm. term. They get more money. Why? They're more valuable. Vladimir Tarasenko is valuable. I think Vladimir mm-hmm. Tarasenko for this postseason run, and hopefully he comes a little bit, you know, maybe they sign him to somewhat contract but I think it's worth taking the risk where, you know what, you go, okay, maybe we have to replace a third line. Maybe we have to replace one of our third liners 
We already have a lot. You know, Tatar is probably – he might be gone if not he comes back on a short-term deal. Palat just got signed. I want to see Alexander Holtz already. Haven't seen enough of him. So that's mm. my thought on it. You know, you, you take out, you know, a guy who maybe does look a little bit – teams might see some value in him, and uh, it's not going to kill us in the end if we lose him. No, I think all those points are very valid. Uh, obviously, the, the Devils, I'm sure, long-term look at Holtz as more of a guy that, that they hope to be a top-six winger. Sharon Govich, a little bit more established and a little bit more of a guy that I think the Devils would be you know, more reluctant to move on from if they get a deal that they want to do. And going back quickly to Carl, uh, Carly Vimelka, currently this year he has played in 31 games, 11-15-4 record, obviously not great. A 3.38 goals against average. That is actually worse than Mackenzie Blackwood. Granted, in more games compared to Blackwood, but he does have a .902 save percentage on the year. So kind of an interesting, you know, just name that I've been hearing. Just wanted to mention it and see what obviously Aiden's uh, perspective on this is. So the last thing really quickly here that doesn't necessarily involve a trade per se, but it is very interesting. I want to talk to you about Jesper Bratt. Bratt, three goals in his last two games, has certainly played better of late. There has been a constant talk of discussion as to what is Jesper Bratt's value going to be on the market going into this offseason. Now, there's still a lot of hockey left to play in the regular season, and obviously what the Devils can do um, even when they get into the playoffs. Uh, but he is uh, he's on the verge of you know getting to 20 goals and obviously continuing to uh, really bet on himself in a year where he signed a one-year deal and he'll be a restricted free agent at season's end. So the devils will still have some leverage. And I think him becoming an RFA or deciding that he'll become an RFA means that the devils really, the devils and Brad both want a deal to be done. And I think they want to get it done. And it's clearly going to be about money and things like that. So I want to get your opinion on as to how should the devils go about this? I know, again, there's still a lot of time left to figure this out. But the Devils, like, you know, they can sign him to a long-term deal whenever they feel like it at this point. January uh, 1st has already come and gone. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of time to do it. So, like, overall, wh- what do you, how do you see this going down over the next couple of months with Brad and the Devils? Well, I mean, I look at what Tom Fitzgerald has done so far. And I don't think he's had a chance to sign a player in-house starting off here that um, has had a point season or point seasons like Jesper Bratt has. You know, Nico Heischer signed, never really had a Jesper Bratt-type season. Jack Hughes signed, points-wise, never had that type of season. Um, So you look at that, he hasn't been in this situation yet. Now, there's two things that are going to happen. I mean, obviously, we saw a little bit of what we think is going to happen from both sides. They're not really going to give an inch, okay? Neither (laughs) side right now feels like giving an inch. So you look at this year. He repeats what he did last year. I think Jesper Bratt gets a little bit more leverage. Now, Tom Fitzgerald goes back, okay, I have Jack Hughes over here. A lot of points, around $8 million. Nico Heischer going to be closer to a point-per-game player, and he had – uh, sorry, somebody just called me – 60 points. So, And he's going to finish in that you know 70-point mark, and he's one of the better defensive right. centers in the league. Now, they both fit around that $8 million mark. I think Jesper Bratt, you, if the Devils, you want to keep him at that $8 million mark. I don't think you want to go to that $9 million. And, you know, from what Jesper Bratt has shown this year – um, unless he hits 80 points, I don't think he's a $9 million player. And I think that's a fair point. And so again, it, it's all going to come down to numbers. It's going to come down to value. Um, would I be totally surprised if Bratt and his, and his agency tried to go out on the market to see, you know, what, you know, his value could be. I, I think they could. The Devils, you know, I've talked about this before. If, you know, we end up just not being able to get a deal done with Brat and he ends up going somewhere else, at least we do get something in return because he is an RFA. But I, I feel much, I feel very confident the Devils and Brat want to come to a deal long term. Yeah. I think Brat wants to be here. I think his agents want him to be here. You know, he's developed here. He has grown here. He plays so well with, you know, he's part of the core as, you know, Fitzgerald has made it very clear. He's part of the core long term with Jack Hughes, uh, Nico, Dougie Hamilton, all these guys. And again, it's all about locking down your core, 
so that then you could just build the team around them. And the Devils, even after a long-term deal with Brad, is still going to have a considerable amount of money in the offseason to make a lot of different moves. So this is not going to be something where we are going to put ourselves in cap crunch. I don't think Fitzgerald would allow himself nor his team to get ever into a position where they are in a really bad salary situation. This year is a little bit interesting that we're actually a lot more towards the cap than we normally are um, in previous years, especially with the money that we're giving to Andre Pilat and, uh, you know, obviously the money we gave to Vitek Vanacek and things like that. But I, I think overall, I think a, a deal will eventually get done. I don't know if it's going to happen as the season is going along, but I think even once we get to the off season, I think that they're going to find some form of common ground and probably get a deal done. Maybe not a long-term, maybe a four or five-year deal or something along those lines, but I still think that they will get a deal done. So we will have to continue to wait and seize. I think, I think that was a problem. I think that, uh, they, I think Brat's camp wants to go the, you know, at that eight year mark. And honestly, that's fine with me. Just don't go right. Million. That's fair. I think that's very fair. And, and we'll see what the devils and Brat uh, decide to do in the next couple of months. So Aiden, thank you so much, man, for coming on today. This was great. Um, you know, you are tremendously insightful very, very articulate man. And my viewers, my listeners are so appreciative of you coming on the podcast. But before I let you go, as I do with all of my guests here on the podcast, I give you a chance. I roll out the red carpet and allow you to, you know, talk about your podcast wherever people can find you and uh, follow you and anything you got going on. So my friend, the floor is yours. Yeah, Neil, thanks first for letting me come on and, you know, kind of, you know, annoy these people with my voice. But, um, you know, if you, if you want to be a little bit more annoyed, uh, you guys can find us on Spotify, Stick Taps, at Stick Taps on Spotify. Uh, you know, we're just kind of, you know, talking NHL stuff. We try to get uh, some people in the industry on the show, people who kind of know what they're talking about on the show. I'm sure we'll get Neil on. I think we're kind of planning that soon. So we'll get Neil on the show as well. So if you want to hear his voice too some more, come on, listen to that episode as well. Uh, we're on Spotify, Instagram, stick period taps. That's on Instagram, stick period taps. Try to get some content out there. You know, I always say I like talking with you guys. Um, you know, obviously my DMs are always open hockey talk or, uh, you know, you just want to talk. Just don't, you know, don't, don't do anything weird, but, uh, you know, obviously DMs always open and, uh, you know, pretty, you know, I like to like, talk to you guys. So, uh, you know, definitely hockey talk. Love it. Um, you guys have any questions for me or, you know, want to go ahead give us a follow, give us, you know, a look at our podcast. Really appreciate it. So, uh, you know, thanks guys. Thank you, Neil. Of course, man. Thank you. And we'll, and you know, we'll definitely have you on again in the very near future. And uh, we really appreciate the time, man. And uh, we will, we will definitely talk soon. All right. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. No problem.